0: Yeah, it's Tuesday, July 20th. How you doing? I bet you're warm, I bet you're hot, I bet you're damn hot. It's hot, all right. 30 degrees again here in Salford. Welcome to uh, Tuesday's program. I've got two brilliant guests lined up for you today. I look forward to your comments as well. You can uh, join me through Twitter, or tweet me, I should say. Message me through Twitter or through the website. Let's do it.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host. Richie Allen.
0: Now, Alison Lee reached out to me over the weekend to tell me about her son who has special needs and learning disabilities. He's in an adult residential home and it's been tremendously difficult for Alison in the last uh, basically year and a half. She's not allowed near her son and is very worried about the quality of his care. I invited her on the programme. She'll be with me this hour. Don't miss Alison Lee. And a little bit later on, Shelley Tasker returns to the programme from Truro in Cornwall. Yesterday afternoon, Shelley was cleared of criminal charges relating to a gathering, a lockdown rally, an anti-lockdown rally held in the centre of Truro. This is very interesting. Save Our Rights UK. Shelley Tasker returns to the programme. That's in the second hour. So it's a busy one. It always is. And I don't need to tell you again what you need to do. If you'd like to join in and have your say, have your say, that's all right. Have your, I love my say, you'll have your say if you feel like it. I won't uh, bore you about the weather because it's just mad, isn't it? It's officially a heat wave and very timely. John Kerry, former US presidential candidate, is in town. He's a climate change envoy these days. For the United Nations Boy, in town He's not in Salford He's in Somewhere Kew Gardens London right Hertfordshire right Haven't a clue Haven't a clue Haven't a clue Um Kay Burley made me laugh this morning The Ginger Ninja She presents a breakfast programme For Sky News And Well belly laughs At least for me The things I find funny Are often things that Other people don't find funny at all But Kay made me properly laugh this morning, you know.
1: We were mentioning yesterday, and want to underline it again for you this morning. Several people have died uh, cooling off in open water. You don't know what is underneath the surface. Do bear that in mind, won't you? So several people, as I said, have died uh, over the last couple of days trying to cool off uh, in those incredibly hot temperatures. Be very aware before you get into the water. Uh, even if it looks <laughs> as though it's fine, you don't know what's underneath, so please, please, please bear that in mind. Um, Tamara's here. Hey, Tamara. Hey, Tamara. Uh, the minister <laughs> to us, uh, a bit... They
0: didn't die because the giant alligator that was flushed down the toilet in New York came and got them. They didn't die because a great white shark made it to the Salford Canals, Kay. They died because they're sitting out... In the boiling heat thirty degrees, K Sweltering, sweating like a donkey on Blackpool Beach, K When the fat slags are in town. And then they foolishly jump into open water and their heart stops. There's nothing under the water All right. By the way, it isn't funny, some people have died, including a gentleman sold for keys not too far from where I am. Ah oh, K's the gift that keeps on giving the fallout today from the, <laughs> ah the fallout from the prime minister's announcement last night that from late september after ev- wait for it after everyone over 18 has had the opportunity to be to be double jabbed i couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery last night johnson said after everyone has had the opportunity to be double jabbed you will need to prove you've been double jabbed to get into a nightclub or other venues where large crowds gather. Yes, that a passing a test will not be good enough. You will need to be double-jabbed or you're going nowhere, right? So there was a fallout today. Big reaction. Now, neither you nor I are surprised, right? This is the latest stop on a journey to mandatory vaccination for everyone. It is really. What about pubs then? Are pubs next? A question posed by TV presenter Ben Shepherd to the business minister Paul Scully on Good Morning Britain.
3: As a pub, a crowded pub, is that going to be somewhere where you're going to have to be double-jabbed to go in? Well, Ben, we're not ruling anything out, but 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 it's important. That shows the complexity and why we've got to work through this, because actually you get some uh, big pubs uh, may have more people in it than some of the smaller nightclubs. And so it's it's very difficult to distinguish how crowds are moving between certain types of venues. So that's the detail that we've got to work through with operators, speaking to them over the the next couple of months um, to make sure that we can get this absolutely
0: right.
1: Not ruling anything out, if I was a pub owner, I would assume that that means it's on the cards.
0: Check out the big brain on Susanna.
3: Well, look, no, no. I think what we're trying to do is, first of all, make sure... Is
0: tyrannise the the, the nation. That's what we're trying to do, to tyrannise people.
3: ...sure people can get vaccinated, make sure that people can make informed decisions, make sure that people can remember that we're actually still living with Covid. Yesterday was a really pivotal moment. Yeah,
0: shut up. That's Paul Scully, business minister. I've made an informed decision to tell them to stick the vaccine up the highest part of their hairy holes. That was my informed decision. I informed myself before saying that. Now the media is in lockstep. As the media is in total support of mandating vaccine passports for socialising. This is as bad as it gets. Here's uh, LBC Radio's James O'Brien. Listen to him. Speaking to a member of the public allegedly. I'm not saying that the guy is an actor. I'm not saying that because I don't know. And he might be genuine. But it's all very suspicious. James O'Brien with a man this morning talking about vaccine passports
3: look i think COVID passports are essential they're inevitable um they always were going to be inevitable i don't think it works with the the comparison to id cards COVID is a totally unique event Yes,
4: yes yes and
3: therefore it requires a totally unique solution and you know we've had to make the impossible possible but here's why They are also morally right. This is why COVID passports are morally right. I'm
0: all ears. My
3: sister had her cancer operation cancelled five times,
2: James. Oh, I'm so sorry.
3: Because the beds were going to COVID patients.
0: Had her cancer operation cancelled five times because the beds were going to COVID patients, he says. Hmm. So the answer is to jab everybody with a cocktail full of crap and not actually discuss why a mild respiratory illness was prioritised over people with stage 4 cancer. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's just jab people. That makes sense. It continues O'Brien and this very, well, enamoured of the passports And
3: um, The last time she was actually dressed, ready to go down to surgery, and the consultant had to come up and say, I'm really sorry, we can't do it. Just-
0: well, so she was dressed and ready to go down to surgery, all ready to go, ready to go! And the consultant said, listen, sorry, can't do it, love. We can't remove that tumour. Um, some people are sneezing and coughing and they've been brought in in an ambulance, presumably. Mm.
2: Just haven't got the, haven't got the space.
0: When, when, when yeah, they haven't got the space. It's James O'Brien. Now,
3: in an experimental treatment phase, so, you know. It's
2: oh not, my God, I'm sorry. It's
3: not end of. It's not end game, so and fingers crossed and Absolutely she's fighting. it.
2: everything in. crossed.
3: We, we hope it will be okay. But the operation could have made a huge difference. Therefore, it is morally right to bring in vaccine passports.
0: (laughs) Wow. They cancelled my sister's operation, just as she was about to be wheeled into theatre, because apparently they needed the space for people with a, a chest infection. So it's morally right to bring in vaccine passports. That's fantastic. We're back to the meaning of life again. How do we know she's a witch? Because she weighs the same as a duck. (laughs) <laughs> you know, wow Because
3: <clears throat> the vaccine doesn't stop you getting it, it might No it doesn't might not even stop transmission
0: Apparently not
3: But what it does do What is only a big aim Well Of fighting Covid Was to protect the NHS And also keep people out of
0: hospital Yeah It did keep people out of hospital Millions of them By taking even more beds out of hospitals For this social distancing bollocks You see, they dropped hospital capacity Down to the bare minimum And hospital capacity in this country has halved, has reduced by half in the last 30 years, even before COVID. So they took even more beds out of hospitals for this social distance and nonsense, dropped capacity down to the bare minimum, and there were a few beds left. Now those beds were filled with very old people who are susceptible to winter viruses. They said hospitals were full, but then it wasn't too difficult to fill them when there was only a handful of beds. I'll tell you what, I'm going to raise the money on on crowdfunding to hire Old Trafford Football Stadium. And I'm going to do a stand-up gig at Old Trafford next summer. Me, the BBG. Now, it has 76,000 seats. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out 75,000 seats or have them covered up. And then I'll sell the remaining 1,000. And I will say that I sold out Old Trafford. Richie Allen, sell out Old Trafford gig. It's a ruse. And the media played along. It's a ruse. There was no overwhelming of the NHS. They took out most of the beds to socially distance. And you had left some old folks who have always taken up the lion's share of hospital beds in the winter. All true, not my opinion. Here's more. O'Brien offers a helping hand. James O'Brien.
2: Yes, I mean, you're absolutely... And this is, again, I'm not... I don't want to move on too swiftly from your sister's plight, but the, the mystery for me, one of the big mysteries throughout this has been the argument... That somehow by not having lockdowns, you would have reduced the strain on non-Covid cases in the NHS. It seemed to me to be the polar opposite of the most simple and obvious truth. The fewer people get Covid, the more people with non-Covid problems get treated.
0: The fewer people with Covid, the more people with other problems, not Covid, with problems. The fewer people who get Covid, the more people with different problems get treated. Again... Why is she a witch? Well, she weighs the same as a duck. Because ducks also float. Witches drown. Crazy. This is crazy stuff, right? Again, no discussion of why prioritise one illness, which is basically, which is unconcerning for the vast majority of people. Why prioritise that over everything else? No discussion of it. Just take it as a given,
2: and and lockdowns minimises the number of people getting COVID, and therefore the number of people with COVID ending up in hospital, crowding out people like your poor sister,
0: like your poor sister. He's a witch. He's a witch. It gets worse. James O'Brien is totally on board with the tyranny. Look, look,
3: exactly, um, yes. and that's that's why you know I think you, you can't make people have a vaccination.
2: It, but no, but you more. can you can limit what they can do without one as as <laughs> as both incentive and disincentive for certain types yeah. of behaviour. It and, is and fairly obvious is. from here, isn't it? Fairly obvious
0: from here. Make life unlivable for those who won't take the poison jab. What a rat bastard James O'Brien is, eh? Here's a bit more of it, just a little bit. Uh,
3: leadership sometimes requires those. T- the burden of government and it is a moral duty to, to do that because it's selfish
2: That's a great don't, argument.
3: Do you know what James? Go I don't want to sit in a pub next to somebody who's so selfish that they're prepared to risk taking up a hospital bed that could go to somebody else because they think 5G or, or, or whatever you know, yeah. it, 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 and this is why we only get through this with a team effort.
0: Who said anything about 5G? This is what what you call ad hominem attack on people who said anything about 5G? Nobody's saying anything about 5G. You know. Why don't they talk about what people are actually saying, which is where are the bodies? Where are the bodies? Where where's the evidence that this infection does any real damage to people? The average age of of a covid death is in the 80s. But no, no attack people based on things they haven't said or or, or don't talk about that, that covid is really 5G which I've never said. And I am, honest to God, the only game in the UK. This is the most listened to independent radio show in the UK and Europe. I've more listeners listening to this programme than most talk radio presenters have. That's a fact. And yet they'll write stuff about this programme in the newspapers. But they won't talk about what, what is actually discussed on this programme. You know? This is how it works. I suppose to how it's always worked
3: we're getting through it and you've got to have those vaccinations and if you don't that's your choice but i don't think you deserve the same rights it's not discriminatory i like
0: we don't deserve the same rights if we don't have the vaccine
3: by like the fact that they've waited until everybody's been offered the jab yes you know, one of the arguments here is medical exemptions now you're just having a medical exemption
0: certificate and that's fine
2: yes, of it's really course. straightforward no of course and, and of course you know, you are again we are talking about people who wouldn't wear a mask to keep their grandmother alive
0: what's that got to do with anything So O'Brien is basically stating that those who refuse to take an experimental therapy, which is killing people right now, that by doing that, you're just an idiot who wouldn't wear a mask to save your grandmother's life. Where did they come up with this bullshit? Staggering, isn't it? The thing that really cuts to the bone for me is that James O'Brien won't hate himself. I'd like to believe that James O'Brien would hate himself. I'd like to believe that, that he would go home and realise just how bad he is. And just how dangerous he is. And that he would wallow in shame at home. I'd like to believe that. But, but, but I'm wrong. O'Brien and the rest of them do far more harm to people than any government. Any government. Because it's them. It's their job to protect people. They've got the key jobs. The top jobs, right? They get access to Boris Johnson and Sajid Javid and Matt Hancock. I don't get access to them. If I got access to them, it'd be game over in five minutes. But I'll never get to sit down with any of these people and challenge them. It's their job. Over to Stephen Nolan on Ulster Radio. Thanks to Mark Kerwin for sending me the heads up on this. This is the BBC now, Radio Ulster. He's taking calls. Let's hear the tail end of one call and the following caller. This is bad stuff too.
5: And there are only two choices now facing people in this community. And that is either get vaccinated or get infected. And you might not get infected today, tomorrow, next week, next month. But sometime within the next six months or a year, you will get exposed to coronavirus. And you will get an infection. And if you're not vaccinated, you are playing Russian roulette with your health. So, that gentleman and his son, the best advice he could give his son is if he doesn't want him to get vaccinated, Offer him the alternative, which is to get infected. Because
0: Nigel. that is what's going to happen. Nigel, why not? Why not get infected? If you're a young person, getting infected with a respiratory infection means you might be mildly ill for a day or two or three, but then you'll be okay. And this is why they invented the bollocks that is long COVID. You see, that was their get out of jail card when, when they would be confronted by, well, it doesn't harm young people. Ah, but long COVID though. Which is bullshit. He takes another call then.
4: Nice. So have a listen to Dan and Banger. Morning, Dan. Prince nice place, Banger.
5: Stephen. So this morning was played the whole game that is being pushed by the media and by government. Not a game. Blackmail. A g- it is blackmail. We have now listened to an hour and a half of Stephen Nolan telling me that my conscience. He's using the word incentive. That is blackmail. Either you're telling me I can't go out or I get a vaccine that has killed 1,400 people and has left over 10,000...
4: I haven't seen if any I statistic that, it's, that, that it has killed 1,400 people. And I'd need to look sorry. that statistic up. But even- Stephen Nolan
0: is a pathological liar. I know that BBC production staff and their on-air talent are well aware of the yellow card reporting system. And they know that these jabs are killing people. So he's a lawyer, but he's doing his BBC gatekeeper job right there. Stop the guy from talking.
5: While you're blackmailing people, Stephen, you've not done your research. But even if that's the yellow card well, system from the MHRA, well, don't the shut me down. Don't shut me down, Dan.
4: Even well, if that, that, I, I, I can't... You're blackmailing me. OK, I, cannot, I me. cannot know every statistic across the world. Bullshit. They know full well that these jobs are killing people. World. But what, what I can this? tell Seven you, what I you can tell you, what I can tell you, Dan, is the number of people, relatively speaking, minimal, who have had a side effect from a vaccine is completely minuscule compared to the number of people who have been had their lives saved because they've had a vaccine or have not died or got seriously ill or have had long COVID because a vaccine has protected them.
0: He's editorialising here now, which is against, it's basically against the terms of his employment as a BBC presenter. He's in breach of the guidelines. He cannot do what he is doing there. He's basically selling the vaccine. He shouldn't do that. Protected them.
5: You sound like Boris now. Fantastic. Sat there and lambasted Boris whenever he turned right and said we can't shut the economy down because some people over 80 may die. What you're saying is exactly the same reworded. Some people might die from the vaccine, but the greater good is that we'll save lives. So it's acceptable to lose some people who might take if well, reaction if, you take,
4: if, you, if I take, if I take your logic, Dan, then but you would never... Said, if I you take said, your logic, down. I would never do... I would never do...
0: I haven't added in the music now. He's closing out the programme. Listen to how he closes out the programme. This is astonishing. He goes on to talk about, I wouldn't take a paracetamol or I wouldn't take this if I had your logic because, you know, I'd be terrified of of, of dying. He He says there are risks with
4: every medication. Listen. If you go under anaesthetic for any operation, get your tonsils out, take any operation in any hospital. If I take your logic that there's minimal risk with medical intervention, then you would never, ever go in and get treated in a hospital. The message is clear. Vaccine will save life in Northern Ireland. The message is clear from the Chief Medical Officer, Sir Michael McBride, this morning, that our infection rates are doubling. Our hospitals will find it hard to cope with capacity if we do not keep our infection rates lower than where they are heading And that 18 to 29-year-olds can really, really help. And they can help by going out and getting a vaccine. Those are the facts this morning. Those are the facts, says a BBC journalist, in inverted commas.
0: Like I said, they're in lockstep, the media. In total lockstep with the agenda. Goebbels would have given James O'Brien and Stephen Nolan a castle each. He'd have given them a castle, a stately home. O'Brien and Nolan and most of the rest of them are collaborators now. They are collaborators. They've turned their backs on the people that they are supposed to be looking out for. Over on BBC Radio 5 Live, a woman called Honey Lancaster James, who's a behavioural psychologist... She says there's been a culture shift, masks are here to stay now and certain behaviours will not be tolerated by people on trains and buses. Honey Lancaster James, psychologist.
1: One of the things that we will probably see is that there will be certain environments where um, people will be inclined to wear masks and at particular times. So if you look at what's happened around the world after other pandemics, like the SARS, uh, for example, uh, you'll find that if somebody's got a cold or they're likely to sneeze or cough and they're going on public transport you'll see people wearing masks and I think what we'll see gradually is a kind of an adoption of something similar to that where people will actually look at you and think that's very very rude if you cough or sneeze or whatever and you're on the tube <laughs> or you're on a train or a bus I think you'll
0: get a dirty look now If you cough or sneeze on a train or if you're on a bus, you'll get a dirty look. That'll teach you.
1: Where people will actually look at you and think that's very, very rude. If you cough or sneeze or whatever, you're on the tube or you're on a train or a bus. I think in in times like that, I think people will be more inclined to wear masks. I just don't know if we've got that same kind of social responsibility here in this country. I was looking at television pictures from... On the BBC, actually, earlier from Tokyo
0: Jesus. Let's hear a bit more from Honey.
1: Yeah, I don't think we'll see that. I don't think we'll see that because we do live in a more individualistically motivated culture, unfortunately. But uh, I think we might see it more in really enclosed spaces where, you know, like you're sitting on a bus. And I think what will happen is people will start to shoot you a look as if, you know, that's incredibly (laughs) rude. You just sneezed, you know, you just coughed. And I think, therefore, people will want to avoid that.
0: You'll get a dirty look from people I cannot believe that you just sneezed or you just coughed. Amazing stuff. Stuff, this. This is amazing. It's 23 minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen radio show for Tuesday, it's the 20th of July 2021. My first guest is standing by. I'll get her on. We'll have a good chat. Later on in the programme, Shelly Tasker, live from Cornwall. Thanks for being with me in the heat because it's bloody warm out there this afternoon. This is TLC. Oh, oh, oh. Love that song, TLC, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Course, R. I. P. And "Unpretty" from an album called "Fan Mail," which I love. Don't know if you've ever heard it. I suppose you'd call it R and B. I don't know R and B, maybe. Right, let's um, let's say hello to Alison. Be- before we do that, let me just give you a very brief, I suppose, introduction. Over the weekend, I had an email from Alison. A very, very well written email. She says, Richie, look, I have a son with special needs. He has learning disabilities and health problems. He's in an adult residential home. Now, Alison hasn't seen him for the better part of 17 months. And she described those months as being hell for her. She isn't allowed to see him. That confuses him. And of course, he's wondering all the time where his mum is. She went on to talk about how the care sector is already in crisis. And she talked about the quality of some of the people being employed in the care sector or the lack of quality. And she said, I'm concerned about my son's physical uh, well-being as much as mental well-being because he's putting on a lot of weight in the time that, um lockdown, I suppose, in, 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 in the time of lockdown. It's a brilliantly written email and it struck a chord with me because it's not the first time in recent weeks that somebody has gotten in touch to tell me about their son or daughter who's in care. In similar circumstances, let's just welcome to the programme Alison Lee. Alison, it's lovely to meet you. Thanks for taking the time out to come on. How are you?
1: Hello, Brittany. And I,
0: be- I believe it's uh, bucketing down down there where you are.
6: It is actually. Yeah, we just had a massive thunderclap and it started pouring. Which is quite
0: pleasant, actually. So it might break up that humidity and that bloom and heat because it's rotten, isn't it? It's absolutely rotten. So, listen, I'll ask you to get as close to your device as you can, if you don't mind, so that I can hear you nice and loud. Um, tell us about your son and, you know, the reason that you got in touch with the programme over the weekend.
6: OK, so I've got my laptop as close to me as I can possibly get. Isn't Brilliant. That okay yeah, now?
0: lovely. You're loud and clear now. Thanks, Alison
6: okay so um the last time i saw my son properly was mother's day 2020 and that was the day before lockdown started it was march the 22nd last year and that was the last time i was allowed to see him on my own um Lockdown started for all of us and he lives in Leicester. So when the lockdown was lifted sort of nationwide across the country, Leicester was the first area that wasn't allowed out of lockdown. Um,
0: Leicester has really struggled, Alison, hasn't it? In terms of as far as local lockdowns, because they... Some some areas were 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 locked down sooner than others, and some were plunged into local lockdown. If my memory is right, Alison, Leicester has been in some sort of lockdown for most of the last seventeen months.
6: It has, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a there's a big um fame community in Leicester, but also um, there are, there's more of an ethnic population in Leicester, the biggest ethnic population in the country in the city of Leicester that outnumber English people.
0: Or or, or or white people, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and they said that they said that um people from ethnic minorities, they they alleged that those people might be more susceptible to the virus, didn't they, at the time?
6: That is what they said. That's what they said. But um so he my son lives in the in the city in the boundaries of the city centre. I live on the outskirts of Leicestershire. Um but even so there hasn't been one case of COVID in the home, with the exception of the regional manager who allegedly had it. But nobody else, none of the staff have tested positive ever. It's just the most bizarre thing but obviously because he was in Leicester and our our, um, lockdown rules got lifted because we're out in the countryside um, that just made it even more difficult I haven't been to the home since March the 22nd last year
0: since March the 22nd last year yeah why is that, why have you not been back in such a long time
6: um so recently they they brought in some things where we could as parents but only one parent so not his mother and his father even though we're separated um what they wanted to do was sanitize the room and then we couldn't go in the front door we'd have to go around the side um, put on all the ppe and have a pcr test Go into the sanitised room wearing a mask. I'm mask exempt,
4: um,
6: but wearing a mask, and then he'd have to social distance from me. Which I, th- <laughs> I think that's like a really cruel and unusual punishment because he doesn't understand what's going on, and obviously if he's not seen his mum for a few months, the first thing he's going to want to do is approach me yeah. for a cuddle or whatever so what are they going to do they're going to restrain him so that he can't come near me or um allow him to come near me and then isolate him and lock him in his, room, lock him in his room
0: allison tell me it, late late march 2020 was it was it at that time that they introduced the system where you would need to take the pcr test and where all the PPE and wear the mask and distance from your son was that brought in at the end of March last year?
6: No we weren't allowed to see him at, at all. all that was that was when we first went into the hard lockdown on March the 23rd where we weren't allowed to go yeah. anywhere
0: When did they open it up then to allowing visitors again?
6: Oh um, probably the, the summer
0: wasn't it? I think it was late summer
6: no, because I've, I've, I've gone down. You see, the thing is, the, the company that run the care home, they have laws, their own regulations, on top of what the government regulations are. So even if the government say that we can start to see our neighbours or family yeah. or anything like that, the company that run the care home have their own stringent rules on top of that
0: and they and they (laughs) so they so so the, the so the company running the care home brought in the the very draconian and very orwellian i would say requirements that you would need to pcr test wear all the gear and socially distance they brought that in did they
6: yes they did yeah on on top of the government things so i think some parents are quite happy with going in the home and going through all the tests wearing aprons masks um, going into a sanitized room and the thing is Richie these I'll, I'll call them kids they're adults but that like, is my kid um, some of them are autistic some have quite complicated behavioral problems and because some are mute they rely on facial expressions
0: to communicate
6: to, to communicate or to see how someone's feeling with them but all the staff have to mask up as well and I, I think it's barbaric to to put these people through that not only can they not see the family they can't see the faces of the people that are caring for them
0: you know you talk to me in your email about the problems with 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 care being put into the hands of some private companies. Now, there are some private companies or private families who run care homes, and I'm sure they do a magnificent job. But when they're big companies and the care home your son is in was floated on the stock market, it's got responsibility to its shareholders. I have a huge problem with this, Because dividends, as you said to me in your email, paying shareholders and turning a profit is far more important than the care and the well-being of the residents. Now, I know this to be true, not just in care, but of course in the prison service as well. And that's a big concern for you. I know that. How have you coped with not being able to sit alongside him and put your arm around him in all that time? I'm not trying to make you upset now. I'm not. I, I I know this is difficult.
6: Okay. I'm going I'm to try and hold back the tears, but I am um, quite emotional about it. Um, I coped up until Christmas. Um, so I'm not going to name the company. <laughs> for obvious reasons. I know that you know who they are. You can name them if you
0: want because you haven't made any allegations that they've done anything criminal. You've not said anything like that at all. You're just concerned about well, the quality about of care. To. Yeah,
6: I'm about to. So when people in Leicester weren't allowed to leave the city boundaries, the, the, the company actually brought him out in a car to see me. Um, and we sat in the garden. So they actually broke lockdown rules. I didn't break them. They did. Um, but they, they did bring him over to see me. And we sat in the garden. But I wasn't allowed anywhere near him. And then on my birthday last July, they drove over. But he wasn't allowed out of the car. And he brought me a birthday cake. But because he couldn't get out of the car, he didn't want to let go of the birthday cake. So he took it back home with him. So they initially... Broke the lockdown rules to bring him to see me which I I did appreciate although it's really difficult not being able to go near him because I'm quite a tactile mum so they did do that and then as it got sort of towards winter I was allowed to go down to the home and sit outside in the freezing cold
0: looking through a window
6: no they brought him outside they brought him out yeah Um. But then on December the 21st, there was a girl working there at the time, she's gone now, um, but she was working there at the time. She decided that I'd gone too close to him, despite them breaking the lockdown rules in the first place. Apparently there was a new variant. I didn't know there was a new variant. It was the day after it was announced. She decided I'd gone too close and broke the social distancing rules. So they locked him in his bedroom up until December the 24th, where they did a COVID test on him, unbeknown to me. It was a a lateral flow test and um, he was negative. So they let him back out of his bedroom just before the day before Christmas Day. Um, Just the most bizarre things like we had to take his Christmas presents down four or five days before Christmas so that they could isolate them
0: isolate the presence.
6: yeah even though they go shopping every day to so they weren't them, testing you
0: know. the presence, were they
6: they were isolating them no no they i heard you ex- say
0: that i was being sarcastic because we've seen people on line using some of these tests and they've tested positive they've gotten a positive covid result in orange juice haven't they and stuff like that i mean it's just That's bizarre weird. madness so they isolated the presence.
6: Any anything that I took down, it had to be there oh, God, four else. or five days before Christmas, so that he could have them for Christmas Day.
0: Now, the government wasn't telling them to do this. You've said this already. This was their own regular. This was their own guidelines, or their own. I suppose um, uh, this was their way of mitigating risk, but it wasn't because the government told them. They were making these rules up themselves
6: that's correct because if I sent something in the post it was allowed to have it straight away and that which is just so bizarre because it's gone through the sorting office and postman touching it and and you know and things like that but it, it and I, it's almost like it's a psychological thing it's like that they want you to think that you're dirty or infected and that you're a danger to everybody it's just so ridiculous so any all the presents that he'd got from my family they got locked in a room until christmas day but then he was locked in his room for four days because he'd gone too close to me which he's bound to because I'm his mum, and he hasn't seen me for ages.
0: They put so because I heard you say that a moment ago. They confined him to his room for four days simply because of his proximity to you. And they mm-hmm. told they told you this, did they? They admitted this that they'd put him in his room for four
6: yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort for, of impact
0: would that have on him, Alison?
6: Well, it was sort of all right because he'd got he got a support worker with him for all the ta- all the time that he was in the room. Um, I was quite distressed because he's got a medical requirement that he needs to go out and walk and get exercise for at least 30 minutes twice a day because he's got osteoporosis. And obviously walking and exercise. So I just, I was just saying to them, look, I understand that you've locked him in his room. He's, you've got to isolate him because like, he might have caught something from me. Um, can he not at least go out for a walk I, I rang up on new year's sorry christmas eve spoke to the regional manager who then told me he's had a covid test and it's negative and he's already been out this morning but they didn't bother to tell me that i i thought he was going to be stuck in his room until new year
0: but they didn't tell you no Alison, let me just remind our listeners, um, there's a lot of interest in this. Like I said, before you got in touch, I had quite a few emails from people. I'd invited them on, but they declined to come on. They were a bit worried about, um, you know, being identified and and that. And I I understand that. Alison Uh is on on the line. Alison's son has special needs. He, He has learning disabilities and he's in an adult residential home at the moment. And uh, Alison has been describing what it's been like the last 16, 17 months trying to see him, trying to spend time with him, trying to keep on top of the care that he's getting and what he's not getting. Um, She's really Mm -hmm. concerned about the sector itself, um, but also the the company that's involved. We'll talk about this in a second. Your concerns about his well-being, this concern you have that he's being neglected. Um, This Mm -hmm. is a, a big company. It floated. Um, Alison reckons these companies are more interested in paying dividends to shareholders than they are to the welfare of their service users but it's a real kind of a window into I suppose life that we just wouldn't understand, not not, not having um, a relative with special needs not knowing anybody who's in residential care, it sounds dreadful what you and others have been going through for the best part of the last year and a half Alison, y- you reckon that um first of all, you're very concerned about him being given a COVID jab because you said to me that he's got a chromosome disorder and that him getting a jab might be a problem. Tell us about that.
6: Okay, so he was born with a chromosome anomaly. He's got an extra bit of matter on chromosome 13. So all his developmental stages were delayed um, when he was about 20 months old, he had his MMR jab, I didn't connect it at the time, I was only 21, 22, and there was, there was no internet then, um, so I didn't connect it, but he started having seizures, really, really bad seizures, um, and they were febrile convulsions. So he'd get temperatures and then he'd go into what they call status so we'd go asleep and then have a seizure while he was asleep and then sleep again and sleep again and he ended up in hospital quite a few times over it then when he turned 18 he developed osteoporosis and so now if, if he has a seizure Touchwood, wood he's been seizure free for um eight years but if and he's been quite well, actually, but if he, if he had a seizure, it could break his neck and it could kill him. The last seizure he had was in 2013. Um, he broke three vertebrae.
0: Jesus, that's severe then. That's a severe seizure, isn't it? Breaking oh, yeah, vertebrae. it
6: lasted about ten minutes. He couldn't move. We got him to the hospital eventually. The hospital x-rayed him, but because the oste- osteoporosis is so bad, The fractures didn't show up and they discharged him with a broken back and no pain relief. The year before that he had a seizure, Um, he fractured his wrist, he broke his arm and had a ruptured bicep and they said he hadn't got any broken bones and there was nothing wrong Um, and they refused to give him any strong pain relief.
0: And you're worried. I mean, that's dreadful.
6: Well, yeah, to I'm miss, worried.
0: To, to me, mi- you're worried if he has a jab, it could
6: reintroduce the seizures. Not just reintroduce this. Who knows what it could do? I'm, mm. I'm, I'm quite red pilled, Richie. Um, I know exactly what's on the the um, MHRA website. I've, I've seen the recent ones. There's something like a million adverse reactions already. Yeah. Um. But an adverse
0: reaction, just for those listening who are on the fence here and you're still unconvinced about the jab being dangerous or you are convinced the jab is dangerous or you think it might be. If you're on the fence, listen, as Alison said there, the the government's own reporting system and the one in the United States clearly shows that these jabs are doing enormous harm. Now, an adverse reaction might be for a 46-year-old healthy guy like me Uh, I might just get a fever or be ill for a couple of days. Might, if I'm lucky. But for somebody like your son, you -hmm. you can't take that chance. How could you take that chance? Because if he has a reaction, it could kill him.
6: Absolutely. Or if he had a bad headache or stomach pains, he wouldn't be able to express. To communicate that.
0: He wouldn't be able to communicate it to the people that are supposed to be looking after him.
6: No. And tell me this, Alison,
0: is there anything, because this is the $64 million question, that me, I know nothing about what you're going through. I know nothing about the care system other than what I've heard from people on the programme. Who's responsible? This is the thing now. Is your son, and I've deliberately not asked you to name him for obvious reasons, is your son, is, are you? do you still have the final say as to what happens to him? Or does that lie with the carer, or the state?
1: Um,
6: Well I spoke to this to social services about this because there was a massive massive issue in January where some of the staff were emailing me anonymously and whistleblowing about some of the things that were going on in the home and I actually have a nervous breakdown I was really really ill I thought I was going to die actually Um, but So I I got in touch with social services. I always get in touch with social services. Um, And during some conversations that I had with them, they they told me that me and his father didn't have the final say as to whether he was vaccinated or not. It would go to a best interest decision, that ultimately it'd be down to the medical team.
0: Is that the medical team working for the care home?
6: No, it'd be the doctors, it's the doctors, it's, it's, yeah.
0: That's obviously a big concern for you, isn't it? And, and your ex-husband, that, that that you wouldn't have the final say.
6: Well, his dad is, um, he's quite coronaphobic. And and um, he's had the backs. So I'm up against it everywhere I turn, actually. Is your um, is, is your husband, sorry, Alison? Dad, sorry, go on.
0: No, no, I shouldn't be interrupting you there. I don't want to interrupt you, and you have plenty of time. No, I just wanted to ask you: Is your relationship with your ex-husband is it cordial?
6: It is at the moment, but if he cons if he consents to our son having the vaccine, it won't be, and he knows this. That's tough. I'll that. go. I'll go crackers.
0: That's bloody tough, that because I'm with yeah. you, obviously, a hundred percent. I'm with you. He wouldn't have. The vaccine, if I was, you know, I agree with you. Why why would he need the vaccine? And he shouldn't have it. And his immune system is probably compromised anyway. He's had a tough life, God love him, with the illnesses you described and the osteoporosis. He doesn't need it. And yet they'll try and give it to him.
6: They They will try and give it to him. But when my GP was constantly texting me to go and get it, I phoned them up and asked them to send me the insert for the AstraZeneca, which is what they wanted to jab me with. I said, let, let me see what's in it before I consent to having it. I read through the insert and I was just mortified <laughs> at what the ingredients were. But also the side effects, so very, very common side effects. It's it says on their insert are high temperature and a fever. And he, he, we just can't afford it for him to get that. Um, so I'm hoping, if I have to fight it, I'll be going at them with with everything. You know, sin- since March last year, all I've done is research, research, research in preparation for when they turn around and say, right, you know, we want to vaccinate your son. I don't want um, to spook
0: let- you now. I do not want to spook you. But are you sure that they couldn't do it without you knowing about it
6: Um, I've been told that they can't
0: good that's good because it
6: it has to because he because he hasn't got the capacity to consent he's like a I suppose a one-year-old in an adult's body so because he hasn't got the capacity to consent for himself, it has to go to a best interest decision, where there'd be myself, his father, the manager from the home, the regional manager probably, and social services, and then the medical people, the doctors, or whatever. Um, but ultimately, it would be down to the doctors. And I'll just throw informed consent at that. you name it, I'll throw you everything throw at them.
0: The kitchen sink you'll throw. Let me um, ask you, Alison. Alison Lee is our guest. I know you're concerned. And maybe it's good that we don't mention the company just yet, maybe. Because we'll follow this up, obviously. I know you're concerned about what he's being fed. And I know you're concerned about his personal hygiene. Now, we touched on this earlier on. My big Mm -hmm. problem, I want to repeat this. My big problem with privatising care. Now, I know Dean in Sheffield. And I've gotten to know a little bit about him and I've looked into his background and he's run a care home and he's done it properly. There are always the exceptions and Dean Smith in Sheffield seems to be a very good guy who cares about the people that he's looking after. But I know that generally the rule of thumb is when you put care, and of course Dean is a family, but your company is a corporation. When you put care in the hands of corporations, the... Residents obviously lose out because the corporation is only interested in making money now that 's a fact it 's the same in the prison system, and they cut corners, whether they like it or not, they cut corners and you have good reason to believe that um, he 's not getting the best care he should get is that I, right i
6: haven't got, i haven 't just got good reason i 've got fact it 's not just it 's not just you know something in my head i 'm not a neurotic mum um even this weekend the emails that they've had from me they've finally given in now and agreed to have a meeting because I think they're sick of me emailing them with complaints I can give you an example on Sunday I phoned I ring every day to see who's working with him because I have to bully some of the staff to actually take him out of the house for his walk and it's It's a medical requirement from his bone consultant and also from the doctor because he's put so much weight on. And he can't afford to put weight on. He's got scoliosis of the spine as well. Jesus Um, Christ. And and he needs vitamin D, don't we all? Yeah. So I phoned on Sunday and four members of staff had phoned in sick. They've got no contingency plans. You'd think in the middle of a a deadly pandemic
2: um,
6: that this company would indeed have contingency plans for if people went on the sick or had tested positive um, because they have to do these lateral flow tests every two or three days. Um, So you'd think they'd have contingency plans for when people phone in sick. And it's usually on a Sunday. So there was there was a skeleton staff there i spoke to one of the members of staff and he put the phone down on me
0: <laughs> he hung up on you by contingency plans you mean they should be able to bring in temporary staff to cover the the shortfall and and stuff like that but they don't and and is it your concern then that your your boy and others in other residents would would be confined to their rooms more than they should be
6: so, so my son won't stay in his room by himself except when it's bedtime. He's, he's too nosy. He likes to see what's going on around him. And um, he's, he's got an armchair and he can see through to the kitchen. Um, and I suppose really he lives his life around mealtimes, looking forward to the next meal because he doesn't really know what else is coming. Yeah. Um, so they should really, they should have, in a time like i say when there's a deadly pandemic and you'd expect staff to be going sick anyway you'd you'd expect them to have be able to call people in tell me
0: so- this Alison. tell me this before you finish that do you mm-hmm. do you fear that the residential home in question do you fear that the staff there are getting these ridiculous pings what what they're calling the pandemic? do you think that's going on you know that people are getting pinged and told to go home, even if they're perfectly healthy
6: well, as far as I'm aware, only two people in the last seventeen months have had that that there has not been any covid in that house
0: that's what you said yeah earlier on i did hear that but you know but you know people get pinged don't they even if they haven't tested positive themselves but if they've bumped into somebody who tested positive i was just wondering about that because i'm reading a lot and hearing quite a bit about staff in every industry being pinged and sent home
6: yeah it could it could be that if it is that they're not telling me they keep things very close to the chests um However, it happened regularly before COVID was even a, in the English language on a Sunday.
0: On a Sunday specifically. So that raises a few suspicions then, right?
6: Yeah. And especially when it's warm in the summer. Yeah. Oh, regularly it it would happen. Um, and, I, I, you know, I do understand that people go sick. A few years ago, I think it was probably about 2016, social de- services decided to cut everybody's hours, how much care they were allowed, how much they would pay for each service user. Um, and I fought and fought and fought, and my son kept 12 hours a day. That's one-on-one care. Um, and that's what they're paid to do. So. From eight o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock at night, he has one person supporting him. So the idea that I have to ring up and harass them to take him out for a walk, it's just ridiculous because it's in his care plan. But I have to do it every day, sometimes twice a day. But sometimes you have to check up
0: you, you have to check up on them. On, on him. And when when you've complained that his weight has increased and you're, you're worried about his teeth and uh, his general well-being. What response have they given you? What have they said?
6: Well, they've put, they have put him on a diet now. Um, they haven't said anything with regards to why his teeth weren't cleaned for probably six months. They've, they've got a good set of teeth that um, they've gone black and green at the bottom on the bottom gum because he'd got porridge or something awful stuck to them that must have been there for months and they just hadn't bothered.
0: And is his, um, is his situation, is his disability such that it would be very difficult to bring him to a dentist, would it?
6: I'm sorry, can you say that
0: again? Sorry, Alison. Is, is his condition in such a way that it would be difficult to bring him to a dentist?
6: So so this is another bizarre thing. So his dad was allowed to take him to the dentist a couple of weeks ago. Um, He passed all the safety things that ever the home put in place. He was a risk assessment. He, He passed the risk assessment in as much as that his dad would wear a mask in the car to take him to the dentist. So he was able to take him to the dentist and... It was really good. They they clean. They managed to get a lot of the debris off his teeth, and he's got to go back in three months. Really, he could do with being sedated to get them done properly. But the government changed the law a few years ago, two or three years ago, where dentists can't sedate people with special needs now without it going to a best interest decision. So it's everywhere you turn. There's a roadblock. There's a a blockage everywhere. You just try and do your best to make sure that they have the best life possible and obviously stay well. And you're just pushing against a brick wall all the time. Nobody knows,
0: Alison. Nobody has a clue, I don't think, unless they've gone through it. I mean, what what a heartbreaking thing it must be for any parent, you know, to have a child... It must be the best thing in the world and it must be heartbreaking when the child has medical problems and what you've gone through for years and i i've interviewed people over the years have gone through what you and your ex-husband have gone through i met people when i first started out in radio i met people who cared for people with disabilities like your son and the parents what a what a what a tough journey it's been for you and i i really mean that my heart goes out to you and a lot of people interested in this on twitter and there you are now, you're fighting now or you're going to fight now to, to protect him again to make sure he doesn't get this bloody, this bloody jab. Which, look, I'm no doctor. I, I probably have no business saying this, but I know I can read statistics. I can read the government's own charts. He doesn't need the jab. He's not in any real danger from uh, from COVID. And, and it is doing damage to people. It has killed over 1,400 people in the UK. It is um, injuring millions of people around the world. And you've got mm-hmm. a fight in your hands now. I don't envy you there, with you wanting to keep him away from the job, and with your ex-husband seemingly on board with the job. It's going to be a difficult one, I think.
6: He's okay at the moment. I've got him on side at the moment, and um, whether things will change or not. I really don't know. I mean, my, my reason for contacting you was, with, was because you had the carers calling in last week. I think it was, was it Wednesday night?
0: Yeah, that's right.
6: That was my reason, really, for contacting you because the government are bringing in this no jab, no job policy. And so I his care
0: he, is going to be possibly compromised again if people turn away from the occupation?
6: The best carers that are in the home don't want to have the jab and So they're saying that they'll leave. And they're the best ones that look after him properly.
0: And they've told you in confidence, have they, that they will not have the jab? Yeah. Jesus well,
6: one has. of them actually said to me last week that he doesn't want to have it because he thinks it's a bio weapon.
0: One of the carers said that.
6: Yeah. And so on top of that, so if you, if you think about, like, well, I mean, I believe we'll go into a hard lockdown again, September, beginning of October, you've got flu season coming. They're already predicting it anyway. Um, somebody, I don't know if it was Valance or Tam or Witty, one of them said that um, the flu season's coming back this year with a vengeance yeah. and people have been wearing masks and isolating and... So on top of them being vaxxed as well, I I predict a huge, huge drop in people being able to work. Um, I did read an article the other day. Can I read this to you, Richard? This is from the the people that financed this company to buy out so many care homes, companies, So basically this is the associate director of the bank, of the health finance team, and she says there's an estimated 1.5 million people with learning disabilities in the UK, including 800,000 adults, demand for best-in-class mental health care, and learning disability facilities has never been higher. This is largely driven by increasingly complex care needs and challenging behaviours exhibited by young adults ageing into adult services. So that's on the rise, and I, I, I think a lot of the autism that's on the rise is from vaccine damage. I can't prove it, but like I've done. But a you lot suspect of it.
0: You suspect so, it. So you're looking at a perfect storm then, as that's a that's a phrase that we've heard on this program Mm -hmm. in the recent weeks so if people being born with and if adults needing care for learning disabilities if that's on the increase and at the same time carers are leaving the profession in their droves to avoid the job that is going to present a huge problem for your son and, and, and and your family in the future what do you do about that what what might happen It's anybody's guess now, really.
6: I want to get him out of there. Um, I think he would be better off in supported living. Social services have actually said to me that the situation that he's living in, it's not conducive to a life for somebody of his age. It's like he's an 80-year-old in a nursing home. It's just appalling. I just want him to be able to enjoy the life, that the things that he can do. He likes going out for a walk, he likes being out of the house. So for me to have to ring up every day and practically beg them, not all of them, there are some good people there, but some of them they just appear to be lacking any empathy whatsoever. I mean some of the things that have gone on there you, you would not believe and think things that I found out it's just incredible as I say there was some whistleblowing going on in January and I actually had a nervous breakdown because of what the home had done and the regional manager had covered it up but I found out and I've got documentary evidence
0: and at the moment you shouldn't say that you I, I know we haven't mentioned the care home But for the moment, especially as you're planning to make a formal complaint about this, it's probably best that you don't say it here, you know, for it to come back to haunt you. I'm not in any way trying to censor you now. You do know that, don't you? No, I
6: I understand that, but I've not named who they are. No, I know you haven't. Um, So, you know, but like I said, I've got documentary evidence anyway. I keep everything, even going back from 2012, I've got absolutely give me give me an idea
0: give me an idea of the sorts of things that you think have been going on
6: um he had some money stolen but they didn't tell me and they weren't going to tell me but i found out through somebody whistleblowing emailing me um under a false name a member of staff gave him medication, and she wasn't trained to give him medication. Um, and they covered it up. I knew about it. They covered it up and said it hadn't happened. And after three months, the paperwork goes up into the attic. It's just filed and stored, and so it's out of the way. Why
0: would the manager, so, why would the regional manager not fire somebody for doing that i i I don't understand that
6: um because the person that was involved is sleeping with a manager from the other home
0: now that's how could you listen i'm on your side here but how could you possibly know that
6: because the the staff
0: you've been told the, by somebody you've been told i've known somebody. them
6: for a long time my son's been in that home it'll be nine years in october
0: so somebody who's behaved inappropriately and who should be disciplined may be fired suspended or fired is in a relationship with somebody who's in charge and therefore gets away a, with it
6: in a different home in a different yeah.
0: home but run by the same company
6: uh, yeah under the same company, but it's just up the road. Um, I don't know if you know what a marsh sheet is. It's a medical administration uh, responsibility, I think it is. So they have to write down the medication that they've given, and it was fraud. It was um, falsified. It was two sisters that were involved, but one of the good, loyal members of staff photocopied it well, photoed it and sent it to me. So I've got copies of this falsified document, but the upper management, I can't fault the manager that works there. I feel sorry for her. She's only been there since the beginning of December and I think she thought she'd be able to go in and manage and do a good job but i think her hands are completely well, the circumstances. The just,
0: just to speak up for the managers and the carers just to be a little bit balanced about it many of them are i suppose just as much under the jackboot as the rest of us you know in terms of this disgusting hoax you know i'm not saying that covid doesn't exist i don't know But it must be so difficult for them to be told to go around all day long wearing the masks and to comply with all of this guidance. It must be a nightmare to work in a care home for many people. And I'm not excusing any bad behaviour at all. I'm not. Jesus, fire them. If you catch somebody stealing, if you catch somebody giving medication and they're not authorised to do that, fire them with Mm -hmm. extreme prejudice. Absolutely, Alison. At the same Mm -hmm. time, though, it, it must be hellish for them in in the last 12 to 18 months as well that's all I'm saying we've got about 2 minutes left today right uh-huh. um obviously look we're going to follow this up with with you because uh, there's been a big reaction to it i knew there would be i'm getting emails from people coming through who their Fantastic. hearts their, their hearts breaking for you people are telling me that uh-huh. they've got they've got children grown up children in residential care and they're dealing with the same problems as you I knew this would happen I said this to you because it comes up a lot you know I, I,
6: I just wanted really to advocate for the people you know we've heard a lot about the elderly people's parents and stuff like that but I've heard very very little on the TV regular you know regular radio independent media I've not really heard a lot of anybody advocating for people with special needs and learning disabilities and I just wanted people to be aware of it, what's going on.
0: Well, you've made people aware of it. And um, I think your son's lucky to have you as a mum, Alison.
6: Oh, thank you. He's well to me. He's, he's an angel. It truly is. I will, I will take a bullet before they stick a needle in him, Richie.
0: Fair play to you. And I just want to remind our listeners that at the moment, the, the care home is insisting that Alison and... Alison's ex-husband, her son's father, that they get dolled up in PPE equipment, that they wear masks, that they distance, that they take a PCR test. And Alison explained earlier on um, her son would basically not know that she was there, basically, so covered in the equipment. Of course, the PCR test, a lot of people feel is a dangerous test. It's dreadful. I, 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 Genuinely, I don't do this, this, this virtue signaling. I don't do it. And I leave that to the mainstream media. I, can I just, can I just it's hard say you. before
6: you go, because I think this is really important for everybody to know, I found out today, because I'm constantly on the case, the government, even though um, we've reached Freedom Week, that's a joke, um, they haven't given any guidelines to the company with regards of how to change their policies now that we've got Freedom Week
0: arrived. So the government has sent no guidance through?
6: No guidance whatsoever.
0: So they want to leave it up to these private companies to do whatever they want?
6: Well, I don't know if they can do whatever they want because they have to stick to CQC guidelines. Um, So until they hear different from whichever government agencies deal with it, they have to still stick to the guidelines that have been put in since, the, since, since this the started.
0: Which is ridiculous. Alison, do me a favour. Yeah. Stay in touch with me, won't you? We're we're connected now, email, and we're connected on Skype. And of um, look, we'll follow so. it up. And uh, you've got... I know you're worried so. about the vaccine and the jab. And look, I hope to God that you get your way there. But, but do keep us... Uh, posted and thanks for being an advocate for people who are in residential oh, care thank
6: you so much for letting me i, I really appreciate it not at all thank brilliant you. to meet
0: you allison thanks for reaching out to the program and bye for thank now thank you Lovely. you take care and you too that's allison lee allison's son is in residential care he's got learning disabilities allison said that he's got the i suppose the the mental for want of a better word of put, way of putting it even way of putting it age of a one year old. Um, but she loves him to bits and wants to do right by him. It's been a horrendous 17 months trying to make sure that he's okay in that care home and now trying to make sure that he isn't jabbed. And we, we did touch on this last week when it was announced that the government plans to give people until September or October. It's October, isn't it, in the UK? I think it's September in France. The government wants to give care workers until until October to be jabbed. After that, they won't be allowed to work in care homes. And Alison said that a number of people who work in the care home where her son is staying, and she said some of these people are good people, they're not all bad people, and they've said they won't have the jab. And as demand increases for places in residential homes, on the one hand, and as carers walk away from the profession on the other hand, what's that going to mean for people who need residential care in the long term? well, it's um, pretty much a a perfect storm. You're listening to Tuesday's Richie Allen radio show. Shelley Tasker is standing by in Cornwall. Thanks to her for her patience. Thanks to Alison. Uh, Coming up for 16 minutes past six, Tuesday the 20th of July 2021. The sells in blue moon On the Richie Allen Radio Show Tuesday's programme 17 and a half minutes past 6 o'clock Thanks for being with me Thanks for all your tweets And thanks to uh, those of you who emailed me To get in touch to say that You empathise with Allison Because you have uh, your situation is very similar because you have a son or a daughter in residential care. Thanks a million for, for those emails. I appreciate them. Uh, before we welcome Shelley back to the programme, uh, made the headlines yesterday, uh, spoke to Shelley about this before. She'd been charged. She'd been criminally charged at Shelley in relation to gathering an anti-lockdown rally in Truro, which is a wonderful part of the world. And that was heard yesterday, that case, and she was cleared, was Shelley Tasker. Fantastic news. Uh, Not only Shelley, but Lance Murdoch as well. This is in uh, Exeter Combined Court. They were charged with being involved in the holding of a relevant gathering in breach of health protection regulations. But the sitting judge, after reviewing the evidence and legal submissions, ruled that the prosecution couldn't prove that the gathering was not relevant under guidelines and wait for it. The judge accepted that Save Our Rights was a political body. And therefore, not guilty verdict was read out on behalf of both defendants. Let's welcome back to the programme, broadcaster and activist Shelley Tasker. How you doing, Shelley?
7: Hi, Richie. How are you doing?
0: Delighted. Delighted for you. But did you know that the salient part of that was the judge saying, to save our rights is a political body. Damn right it is.
7: Yeah, and that was actually one of the last bits that was mentioned yesterday with our brief. Um, Because, you know, define a political body, a political body is supposedly just a group of bodies altogether. Yeah. And um, when we do rallies, we do go under the banner of Save Our Rights and also stop new, um, sorry, no to new normal, Piers Corbyn's movement, um, yeah, we go under a variety of names, really. But, yeah, so they do recognise Save Our Rights as a political um, body. Yeah, so it's great stuff.
0: So what, what do you think that might mean now for future activism for, for yourselves? What, what might it mean?
7: Well, do you know, I'm still trying to get... Do, does it mean now that we can go out and protest when we go into lockdown again? It means that the COVID regulations and rules, they weren't worth the paper they were written on, Really? Um, But as a political party, I I think it's great stuff because obviously um, how things are going at the moment. (laughs) We Obviously, we had the Freedom Alliance this year as well. But if they do stand at some point, they're going to have a big, big amount of followers already.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. How's stand in the park going down there? Is that a big deal?
7: Yeah, it's good. It's all over Cornwall. I mean, my friend Charlie, she does, she organises the Penzance one and we do it on a Sunday afternoon. So <laughs> it's a bit more likable for lots of us that want a line in they bed want a line:
0: That's right, yeah. because I'm told around these parts, it's 11 o'clock on a Sunday, I couldn't pop around because I'm doing, um, I'm otherwise engaged at that hour of the morning. Shelley Tasker is our guest, activist, broadcaster. Look for the Shelley Tasker show on Facebook. It's very, very good. It really is. <coughs> I wouldn't say it otherwise. You've always got interesting people on there. And you've got interesting things to say. It's funny as well and very airy. Very airy Shelley That's a good thing It's light And easy to (laughs) listen to Right so um, Full on tyranny then From September Late September Listen I'm 46 My nightclub Going days are over But um, we're, we're told That everybody Will have had a chance By then To have a jab And if By that stage You want to go To a nightclub You'll have to prove You've been double jabbed A negative test Is no good We're here now Shelley Right (laughs)
7: we've seen it coming a long time ago though didn't we yeah
0: yeah how do you feel about that well
7: amazingly my my daughter she probably wouldn't like me to say but she's not likely to be listening but it's only the last month that she's started now really getting to grips with it all um she actually shared her first political post yesterday and it was the one announcing that you have to be double jabbed to go into a nightclub and it's like, oh my god. I, I think a lot of teenagers they are waking up. I mean, she's 24, and she's always said before that, oh, I'll have the jab if I want to go on holiday. And you know, her partner had he had one jab and then decided he wasn't gonna have the other one. And call it coincidence, she had a period for six weeks after he had the jab. He has alopecia. Um, but again, something that I never noticed until we'd had the jab. Um too many coincidences tell me host- his hair started growing
0: back tell me his hair started growing back after he had the jab because if it did i'll have the jab myself <laughs> i shouldn't be i shouldn't be flipping about stuff it's not fucking funny it's not funny but if i don't laugh i'll go mad i'm very interested in your daughter six weeks uh, Shelley. um no i'm sure there are people having their tea are we talking are we talking are we talking <laughs> bleeding for six weeks
7: Yes, we are. Jesus yeah.
0: wept for six weeks.
7: Six weeks, yeah. I mean, it seems to be quite a common thing, doesn't it? And well, you, I you like think... from other people's posts and stuff.
0: Yeah, and you, proximity. If, instance,
7: you know, she didn't have the vaccine. That's just by being yeah. her partners that's had the vaccine.
0: And you think, because I know you've heard a lot of this on Facebook. I've seen it on social media. People, particularly women, are worried that proximity to somebody who's had the jab might mess around with your menstrual cycle six weeks that is mental
7: yeah yeah well it's just not good is it I mean my son's partner she works in care—and she's just got a new job and I have you know I keep telling her stuff and what have you and I really don't know what she's gonna do but I've said if you have the jab I said you're not gonna be able to stay here for a couple of weeks
0: yeah
7: (laughs) don't you shed in your shit on me
0: (laughs) that's I'm gonna get a t-shirt printed up saying that don't shed your shit on me Uh, (laughs) so now your daughter said, look, now I had a conversation with my mate Jean-Anne, who's got um, nieces and nephews in the same age range as your daughter. And I had a chat um, with a friend of mine today who also has uh, 20-something children. In fact, it was my masseuse. I was having a bit of physiotherapy. We were talking about this. How did that conversation go? You knowing what you know. And your daughter is like, well, I want to travel, mum. I I might have the jab. How did that sit with you? How did you discuss that?
7: Do you know, the problem is my daughter, she's very headstrong and sometimes I think she says things to just rile me and I just have to let her get on with it. But I think, you know, I think she was thinking it's it's just a jab, but over time we've seen the side effects. And like I say, even her partner now to decide not to bother having the second one and he stopped wearing his mask a couple of months ago, it seems to be with a lot of people they've had the jab and then it's like, actually, this is bullshit. Yeah. Um, I do worry sometimes because now the nightclubbing thing, but I don't think she'll sell her soul to go to a nightclub. But I don't know. We just don't know because they're young and they they don't worry about their future so much, do they? I mean, she's got a four year old. I'm not sure if she wants any more children, but they also know what has been happening to people. And she knows how much I I push the anti vaccine stuff. And I would be very surprised if she did. And if she did, I doubt if she would tell me, to be honest
0: with you. Yeah, yeah. But 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 I had a conversation on Twitter as well with a listener who said, I'm distraught, Richie. 26-year-old has had the job. And and I oh. said, I, I have no business giving parenting advice because I'm not a parent. But I said, look, at, at some stage, you, you, you've done as well as you can with them, teaching them when they grow up. You've got to just let them live their own lives, don't you, Shelley?
7: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, even when my son was, um, sorry, when my daughter was having her son vaccinated the last time round, because it was all during COVID, it took a couple of heartfelt talks, and um, in the end, she did agree with me, and she said, no, he's not going to have that last vaccine. He's had always others, but um, you know, actually, it was when they announced that they were going to make it mandatory for care workers to get the vaccine that she shared it to me, sent it to me via messenger in the morning, and that's the first like political post. And she was just in shock. It's like, they're not going to do this. You know, um, well, they are. And I think every way forward, aren't they? It's going to slowly be pushed upon yeah. our children. I can see it now.
0: That's See, this is good news. Because I've been guilty of assuming, not that 20-somethings are stupid, never in a million years, but assuming that they don't pay attention or that they are unaffected. But, of course, it makes perfect sense that a 17-year-old or a 24-year-old would absolutely, would, would balk, would be astounded at trying to coerce somebody into having an injection. So maybe amongst those that I've been critical of before, you know, for being oblivious to what's going on, maybe they're far from oblivious. Maybe they're far more engaged, Shelley, with what's going on than we give them credit for, maybe.
7: I think they are, but I also think, like, with my daughter, I was quite surprised that she shared that publicly today on Facebook. Um, I mean, she's got a good job, and she doesn't voice her opinions too much, um, but they have been told in her job, um, she's an estate agent, that if they don't have the vaccine and they have to um, self-isolate, they won't get any sick pay. That's the only clause. But she feels because of her work and, you know, like a lot of people, they just don't want people knowing their personal beliefs, which is such a shame, because if we all kept quiet, nothing would ever change, would it? Nothing would be out there. And I I know a few people, um, a young woman, who we, we called a tiny dancer, she was 19. She was arrested at the rally actually in November. She's an activist and she spoke about the freedom of arts and expression. She's now got a group of young activists going for like 16 plus. So hopefully like this network will grow. And, you know, we can put a bit of faith in them. for, And you wouldn't believe they're 19 years old. You know, they can come to some of the meetings that we've got. They've got their heads well and truly screwed on.
0: That's
5: good. If they
7: can get through to more people their age, then brilliant stuff.
0: That's really good, Shelley. And what Johnson said yesterday about forcing people to be double jabbed or demanding that they're double jabbed to get into nightclubs, that he, they might have given something away there, the government. That might mean that far, far, far fewer under-30s have taken it up than they want us to believe. Maybe maybe far more have said, no, thanks, I'm not having it. And, and this is a panicky reaction to that, maybe. What do you think? Well,
7: that's what I think. I think the numbers aren't enough, so now let's suddenly push this in. You know, they've made it difficult for everybody in care work. I mean, now it's nightclubs. So what next? is going to be our pubs. I don't know. We just don't know what's around the corner, do we?
0: No. You mentioned earlier on now. I mean, I, I love the, the audacity of the newspapers, the cheek of them. A Cornish COVID denier. That's what they called you in the papers. Makes me <laughs> laugh. But you, But you referred to yourself a few moments ago as a, as anti vaccine now right. i i don 't care i 'm not going to go down this road I, I It makes no difference to me um is so are you happy to be i i will never refer to you as such, but are you indifferent to being described as anti vaccine or are you properly anti vaccines
7: i'm properly anti vaccines people funny about don 't they and they say uh, oh i 'm not anti vaccine but i don't agree with this well no my seven year old he hasn 't had one vaccine um Other two were fully vaccinated. Um, I didn't know enough then. You know, you just do what you're told. You get your little red book, six weeks, book them in, go for it. And then this time, you know, I think we've got the internet and stuff like that, and you start asking questions. And it wasn't a decision I made lightly. It was very hard because my ex-partner at the time was very, he'll be vaccinated, and I'll be like, over my dead body, you'll be dragging me in there with him. But we went to a talk, and he came out, and he's like, right, he's not being vaccinated. Um, once you've seen evidence and you've looked into it properly, you can't, You know, so many of these diseases like measles, they were on their way out before the vaccine was introduced. Um for, for many of them as well, like diphtheria, we don't live in squalorous conditions like that now.
0: No, and the measles, you're right about measles. I remember measles parties I remember yeah, were, yeah. th- the funniest thing ever I laugh when I think about it if a child got measles you were dragged and you were thrown on top of him <laughs> you were thrown on top of the kid so that you'd get it and then you know that it, you would naturally get rid of it you might be a bit ill for a bit but that's the way it was same with chicken pox you just got it and You got rid of it. We were never vaccinated against those things. We were of a fairly similar age. I'm a little bit older than you, I think. We got the BCG. We got the polio thing. But we didn't get measles. We didn't get mumps. No MMR. None of that nonsense. I think I'm all the better for it. So you're going to tell me now that your seven-year-old is in rude health, is he?
7: He is, yeah. (laughs) And to be fair, Richie, knowing what I know... I'd rather take the chance that he might get measles and be yeah. a bit poorly from it or that yeah. he might have the vaccine and have a severe reaction. Because my point, what I say to everybody is penicillin doesn't suit everybody. Some people have severe reactions. How can one shot suit everybody? There's just no way in a million years. So it, it's ridiculous. I'd not take that chance.
0: Here's the question now. And thank God, right, that it went the way it went. What I mean by that is I don't mean it, that he's okay. Jesus, yeah. measles is harmless for 99.999% of children. I don't mean that. What I mean by it went okay, you didn't, now you're going to tell me, I don't know, I should ask the question, did you get any pushback from the local authority and the health visitor people? Were they on your case at the time?
7: A little bit. I did go in and see my doctor because he wanted to know why, and I sat down and told him all the ingredients, and he more or less laughed in my face. But they'd never hassled me again. But when he had a bad cough once, you know, um, we had to take my little one to hospital. They they were dying for it to be whooping cough because he wasn't vaccinated. Were they? <laughs> it wasn't whooping cough, but they you just see? wanted to. You see. You see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then
7: There was another time that um, he had like a, a hearing, um, he didn't like noises and stuff. But I wanted his ears tested, but they read straight away unvaccinated. And he's like, oh, autism, you can still get autism if they're not vaccinated. And it's like, what has that got to do with it? How can they're you get autism, get
0: Shelley? How could a doctor say that? How could a perfectly healthy and cognitive child just get autism? That's mental. Eh? How does that work? That's bollocks, isn't it? Mostly. Well, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. I believe I mean, that all, I believe, got, the, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, my, my bad. No,
7: I mean, I've got autistic friends and I'm, I'm quite interested, you know, you, you ask them about the vaccines and most people, they have all been vaccinated. Uh, it's something I'd look, like to look into more, to be honest with you. The, but, M- uh-huh. the
0: MMR jab is linked to autism, of course it yeah, is, yeah. 100%. They tried to destroy Andy Wakefield, I, I I've known him, I've interviewed him many times over the years, going back to my days in Spain. And um, they they were absolutely delighted with his findings. Early on, they, they they looked at it. They said, "Yeah, absolutely right." They've um they basically tried to destroy him. I'm convinced there is a link. I'm not a doctor. Um, I asked this question about health visitor hassle. Look, I, we might never have a child. We'd like to have, but I will go down the road you went down, and I'd be very interested about about um, resistance. You know, from the from the authorities. Uh, that's all. That's the reason I asked that, because I have heard from people who have had problems with them um, saying, no, you know, the children are not being vaccinated. I've heard that in some cases they can properly harass you. But anyway, it didn't happen to you. Thank God.
7: No, no. And I mean, I took him I had to take him to go a hospital appointment a couple of weeks ago. And interestingly enough, she went, oh, he's not immunised. And can I ask your reason for that? And I just said, well, I, I trust his um, immune system, basically. And she just went, oh. Okay, and carried
0: on. <laughs> Brilliant. Let me read some uh, tweets. Always interesting to have you on. Um, Loads of interest in this. John tweets, I believe they are struggling with the numbers. Young people have no reason to take this shit. This is very likely a ploy. Johnson isn't a dictator yet. This is not ruled by decree. He can't just announce something and it becomes law. That's an interesting comment because obviously there will be a parliamentary vote on this but it won't be soon because they take their holidays on Friday. It's going to be in Um, the next session of Parliament. Huge interest in uh, Shelley being on the programme. The Shelley Tasker Show, look for it on Facebook and do check it out when you get a chance. Um, Caroline agrees with the measles was on the way out. Caroline says, as smallpox. I think that's what she's saying uh, there. As far as the vaccine passports goes, uh, Silverness says on Twitter, I can deal with all. But the supermarkets. So what do we do? Do we get someone to shop for us? Online is not always an option for me. Are they really going to deny us food? I'll let you take that one, Shirley.
7: God, I don't, you know I don't know. Would we have thought a year ago? I mean, we were all labelled conspiracy theorists for saying that you know the back, there's going to be vaccine passports, and here we are. Yeah. I, I just don't know where it's all going. They're trying, at the moment. They're doing everything they can to get us all to take part in this, aren't they? And um. I'd love to know the numbers that have, um, well, said no, because there are a lot of us out there.
0: There are, and you only have to look at the the, the London, I know you've had huge turnouts in in uh, the South East, I know you have, the South West even, the South West, Richie, get a grip. Uh, but also in London, you're talking enormous amounts of people. At some stage, looking back, one of the Saturday protests in London, they were all very, very busy, but there were several hundred thousand there one Saturday, wasn't there?
7: Oh yeah, it was packed. Absolutely packed. And lots of these people now, they're coming out and marching because they've been double vaxxed and it's like, well, why aren't we free yet? Yeah. <laughs> they've done everything they're told. But then you've got the the other side of the coin, like those they are in like Stockholm syndrome, aren't they? They want more. Keep us safe, keep us locked up. They've been given their freedom and they don't bloody want it. It it drives me nuts. I mean, I've been out shopping today and people are still all masked up. It's like, I just don't get it. Neil, they've been scared beyond belief.
0: They've been scared out of their wits, yeah. I sympathise with them because I could easily be one of them. You know, I, I was, I think you're lucky to meet information at some point in your life or meet somebody. I had that bit of good luck in the early 2000s. You know, it was 9 11 that did it for me, doing reporting on it live. Yeah. And, yeah. and then later on, I was lucky enough to read that book by by David, the um the nine eleven book that he wrote. So so I do feel sorry for them, but because it could easily be me. Angela says stand in the park is always at ten o'clock, Richie, on Sunday, not eleven. That's in some parts of the country. But if you're a lazy arse southerner like Shelley Tasker, it's sometime in the mid afternoon. Apparently. Down there, down in that part of the world. What um so you're meeting people on the rallies that have had the jabs but have said I can't believe this. They're actually waking up to the tyranny because they've had the jabs and not had their freedom.
7: Yeah. Yeah. They've been going to rallies. They're double backs. They've, they've all done it, haven't they? Because they a lot of them jumped out straight away because they're like, I want to go on holiday. and um, They've all done it. And now actually it's like, why are we still not free? I mean, I bumped into a woman today and she was wearing a mask and I've known her for several years, vaguely. And she said she's got a very poorly dad. And if she doesn't wear a mask, then the nurses all frown upon her and, uh, when I said, but you've had your double vaccine, she said, oh, yes, I'm a nurse's. I'm like, well, what was the bloody point of having it? And she said, but you just don't know who to believe, do you, Shelley?
0: And I'm just like, well. I get that. (laughs) Yeah, I I get this all the time from people I meet out and about in Salford. Some who've never heard of this radio programme. They won't have a clue. I'm just the bloke that they meet, the baldy bloke with the golden retriever. That's all they know about me. And we're chatting away and they're like, oh, you know, it's going to be tough this winter. And I'm looking at them, but I do really feel sorry for them. And I'm like, go on, tell me. It's gonna be tough this winter, Richie. Yeah, geez, there are loads more gonna die, aren't they, with the flu and what we're (laughs) gonna do. And you know, I've just taken to just nodding along. I just go, Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you
7: could spend your life, (laughs) can you? I mean, I just tend now, I mix with people of my own sort, you know. I I don't I don't have time really. Um, I think I probably mentioned before there's half my family that have cut me off. Yeah. My beliefs and actions and you know, I think, and I hear from a lot of people as well that are having massive problems because they're so isolated. And I find what I find really strange is that they're the ones that walk away from us. We don't walk away from them because they believe it, no. but they walk away from us because we do.
0: Is that right? Do you think that's a general rule of thumb that the COVID believer who's totally on board with the agenda, they're the ones doing the walking away and washing their hands of people? You really think that?
7: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. It's like there's people. Obviously, I do the school run. I get um, snubbed by a few people. I don't care about that. But how can my opinion be so so bad to the point that you can't speak to that person anymore?
2: Yeah.
7: Where you is know, this allowed to have a difference of opinion, but I do wonder. Like with my family, is it they're embarrassed? They're embarrassed because of their jobs to be associated with me, and well, if that is the case, shame on them. Because if you think more of your bloody job then... Yeah, you're a waste of space. We used to be civil, didn't we?
0: We used to be civil. I mean, we all knew people. this is before I had my, I suppose, realisation moment. I hate to say awakening. I had my realisation moment in the mid-2000s. But before that, I would have looked upon someone like you as eccentric. The last thing the world I would have done was avoided you. I'd have enjoyed chatting with you. I would have just tried to steer the conversation away <laughs> from vaccines and COVID. But I wouldn't abandon you. I'd be like, oh, she's eccentric, that girl. But um she's nice, you know, we'll have a chat with her. That's how we used to be, but now everything has to be binary choice, doesn't it, Shelley? You're either with yeah, me or you're against me.
7: You're not allowed an alternative opinion.
0: No. Since when did opinions become dangerous?
7: Well, As you said exactly, already. Exactly. But they, they, it's all the brainwashing, isn't it? And they totally have divided us. You've got the jabbed, the non jabbed, the mask wearers, the non mask wearers, you know, us some unvaccinated are causing the vaccinated to be ill. Oh, it's just bloody crazy. It's madness. But it's brainwashing, isn't it? And this is what I keep saying to people. The point is about being brainwashed is you don't know you've been brainwashed.
0: No, that's why I feel sorry for them. I'm not in any way trying to. By the way, you caught me out earlier on with your. Uh, You saw right through me with the, uh, when I said about the, you know, anti vax, and you said you can't be doing with this, uh, oh, I'm not anti vax, I'm just worried about this uh, uh, vaccine. You done me up like a kipper because that's what I always say. (laughs) I always say, well, I'm not kind of anti vax. And do you know why I do that? Mea culpa. I do that because I know, and they're going to, you know, I'm giving the game away now. I know that there are people who are finding shows like this and they're very new to the idea that something is wrong. So I do I do that to kind of meet them halfway. But if the truth be known, I am with you. I believe that most of the vaccinations that are given to children are totally unnecessary. Now, of course, you're going to go one further again and say all the vaccines given to kids are unnecessary. But yeah, I'm not in any way, you know, speaking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm just aware that I want to jump in. I, I want to take it easy with people. You know what I mean, Shelley? People that are new to this kind of thing. Oh.
7: I want to scare them but off. Yeah. You jump in, is it? Because most people, we've been brought up our whole lives to believe that's what we do. Yeah. And I think the problem with all of this and those that are having in some, some sort of awakening is how do they, you know, how do they feel when they realise that they've been lied to their whole lives about everything?
5: Yeah.
7: You know, parts of history, just, just so much.
0: Yeah, I remember the the legend at a U2 concert many, many years ago before Bono was destroyed by Bill Clinton and and Bill Gates. That big slogan during Zoo TV, everything you know is wrong. It's mind-blowing stuff, that. When you think about everything you hold dear, all the absolutes you hang on to, how many of them are are true. My great friend Spiro Skouras is a fantastic content creator laughing at me. He says, uh, for fuck's sake, Richie, we're in the middle of a pandemic of the unvaccinated Shelley." There's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's all <laughs> our fault. It's all our fault that cases are on the rise. So it's our fault.
7: Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: We're so holding back freedom.
7: I just don't get, you know, they don't trust their vaccine then, do they? And even, I saw someone last week, they put a post and I couldn't believe it. I've got COVID. Um, I'm so glad I had both of my vaccines because it could have been a lot worse. Well, I'm sorry. Do, do you need to be a rocket scientist to think, well, I'll take my chances. I could have just got COVID anyway and I could have... Not really suffered from it at all.
0: Madness. Hey, listen to this. By the way, Shelley Tasker is our guest. Cornwall, great part of the world. True I'll be in your neck if the wood's not too far from now, believe it or not.
7: Oh, really? Well, you, you were in my house in a dream a while ago. Was I? Yeah, no, it was nothing like that. Um, <laughs> and I've had, had a couple of strange dreams with you, Richie, but you were going to host your radio show in my lounge and we couldn't get an internet connection anywhere. It was one of those struggle dreams.
0: I've had um, similar dreams. <laughs>
7: Honest and to God, I was trying to suck you out at KFC for tea. So, <laughs> well,
0: well, then you're some sort of clairvoyant Because if I was to go on what's eat right now, and it was my last, sorry, just, just eat. If I was to use just eat now to order takeaway food, and I was told it's the last time you'll ever be allowed to do it, it'd be a bucket of KFC. Honest to God, <laughs> the Colonel. I'm just a corporate whore. They know that, my listeners. Of course, I'm not a corporate whore. Uh, I, I say that now, they'll start. They'll start trolling me, saying that I am that I'm speaking, I'm speaking in um, in tongues or I'm speaking in code. Jackie Devoy is a great friend of mine, and I know she's a mate of yours. I know you've gotten to know Jackie. She sent me a link to a story by David Wilcock in the Daily Mail or in the Mail Online. You've probably seen this before me because I've been on air. Journalists could face up to 14 years in prison for stories embarrassing the government under proposed changes to the Official Secrets Act that would treat them like foreign spies under a consultation run by not-so-pretty Patel, which closes later this week. Reporters who handle leaked documents would not have a defence if charged under new laws designed to clamp down on foreign agents. It's just full-on tyranny. That's what oh, it, is.
7: it is horrendous. I, I hadn't heard that one but that, that's even more frightening again isn't it? Yeah. You know we've got few journalists out there like Jackie haven't we and like, obviously we've got yourself. Sally Beck I-
0: Well I'm not in her class now. Jackie's a proper journalist. You know when I say proper I'm a proper journalist but Jackie is, has had that foot in mainstream media as Sally Beck has. Brilliant women and yet they still do the right thing. They still get the stories and try to get them out there. I've not been in mainstream media for years um, She is. She's absolutely outstanding but, um, but yet yeah, there's like two or three of them left now. And most of them are writing for The Conservative Woman these days,
1: right. amazingly
0: enough. Do you read that? No, I don't.
1: I've
7: never heard of it.
0: Check it out. Oh, The Conservative Woman. Oh, yeah, proper, proper. Um, <laughs> Laura Perrins, of course. I think Laura might edit it. Or is it Cathy? Is it Cathy... Skin gel is it? Who who, who it? Said? No, brilliant. Since this all began, they've been putting out stories that would never get a look in on the mainstream media. Yeah, check it out. Oh yeah, so there you are now. You know, let's look at ways to lock up journalists for spilling the beans on 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 government malfeasance. This is full on tyranny, Shelley. I don't know what else to say.
7: No, well, it is. Our freedom of speech is gone. Well, although has it? I mean, it has gone. But then going back to the case yesterday if you've got a bloody good barrister that can work around the angles of things, she won us that case yesterday. Um, Obviously it costs money, um, but because, you know, it wasn't won over the human rights act, but lots of these cases, they are going to be held over the human rights act, but you've got somebody that can prove that the angles are right. If it's not, if it's not written properly in the legislation. Yeah you see what i mean i do see what you mean let's kind of the problem is if you get caught up with something like that you do need a bloody good barrister and i'm not sure how much we have seen people struggle for what they've said um you know it's a bit close to my heart at the moment more news about that in a few weeks time but um yeah i'm not sure i mean we all thought you know this law the the covid regulations and stuff it was law but actually it's a load of rubbish only
0: guidance that's right only guidance it it. unenforceable yeah, and, yeah. and
7: basically the reason why it was thrown out because there wasn't a, a risk assessment put in place it's like was there one or was there not one and they, they couldn't define the word holding it was quite interesting it's like if we have a party at your house but i organize it i sort the band and everything like that um no if you have the party and I organize it oh the the definition it was just crazy and it hurt my head like how to be honest with you because they get into all these terms that (laughs) they go way beyond me but the judge was quite disgruntled because he he kept saying he he couldn't understand what the word relevant meant and stuff like that but we, we do have to fight for it and yesterday doing that has has proved that you know there are clauses in it and but it's finding someone, lots of these people, they haven't got the money to do that. No. And I mean, if we didn't have a crowdfund, I don't know how we would have managed. We probably would have had to accept something, you know, and be paying a fine.
0: Well, everybody who contributed to the crowdfund must be absolutely thrilled. Just to remind anybody who's just joined the programme, uh, we're, we're chatting with Shelley, Shelley Tasker. And yesterday, Shelley and Lance Murdoch were basically acquitted, cleared of criminal charges uh, over a gathering, an anti-lockdown rally in Truro. Um, they were charged with uh, being in breach of you know, COVID guidelines. It's serious stuff. They crowdfunded. They got good legal representation, as Shelley just said. And the judge said yesterday that um, they um, had the right to protest, that the prosecution couldn't prove that the gathering wasn't relevant. As, as you said, that that's a weird term, under the guidelines. And more importantly, he accepted that Save Our Rights was, for the purpose of that um, hearing, a political body. Not guilty for Shelley and for Lance Murdoch, which is very important. Um, What about, you you know, I I, I never want to take it into negative territory at all. It's great to see these massive numbers, Shelley. It really is. From my vantage point here in Salford, it's fantastic. At what point do you think that those huge numbers, that they need to, uh, you know, not, not shift strategy, but look at doing other things like... Like massive non-compliance, maybe in certain things, like in paying bills or in paying council tax or oh, in paying. Yeah. Well, when does it shift into that? Do you think?
7: I think it already is. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the community assemblies. Have no. You heard of those? No. Well, basically, a man I know. He start. He's called John Gilbert. He started the community assemblies, and I believe you need you needed a certain amount of people. I can't give the figure, but. Once you get a certain amount of people, you can start looking at changing our laws. We will have, it goes under the guidance of common law. Now, our town, say I'm in Camborne, we have an assembly. All the little towns have assemblies, Okay, So we have weekly meetings um, and we get together and we chat about what we do now. And at the moment, there's quite a few of them going down the council tax route. And this is something that I want to look into doing. I mean, lots of people say, oh, common law doesn't work and stuff like that. But when, when there's enough of you and building these little communities, I've you've got you. this new force coming out and you tell people about them because there's so many people, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know any like-minded people. But council tax, I'm actually going to be interviewing them next week about it because it is something i you know, lots of people have failed. But at the moment, I know people, they've not paid it for a few months. But, again, it's knowing what to write, what to say. I don't know the full spectrum of it. I don't want to get in no, loads I know what of you trouble. Mean, yeah, yeah. People argue the whole time, common law. And with this whole case with myself and Lance, people are like, go to the common law route. And, you know, I, I tried to some respect, and then I didn't turn up at court. I wasn't going to engage with them. Then they put a warrant out for my arrest. And it's scary bloody stuff. And at the end of the day, I think fines and things like perhaps how, you know, your council tax is a totally different matter. But I think you're right. With other things, it's totally different. And I mean, people kept sending messages. You want to speak to them, and you know, like everyone's got an opinion, haven't they? Yeah. Like, you don't need a lawyer represent yourself. And I mean, there's no way I could have done what that woman did yesterday. No, they're
0: like opinions are like assholes, yeah. as we know. <laughs> and everybody has one. And and look, this exactly. common law thing. I I've engaged with so called experts in common law over the years. I've had them on the program, and they can't get away from a central immutable truth which is take that to um your your crown court take that to your district court and you just get laughed out of court it's as simple as that what why 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 would you imagine that a corrupt system will suddenly just go oh yes I see you're right Jess thank you for showing me that yes on you go now here's a lollipop well done not guilty of course not of course. And the
7: problem not. is so many of the principles of common law. They they are right. We are Of course, they're them. right. Absolutely. But, like you say, the system is so corrupt. Yes,
0: I'm not saying the common law is wrong, or that it, it. You know, the the central, um, idea behind it and its proclamations. You know, in terms of our sovereignty and our inalien inalienable rights. Of course, I agree with that. It it reads fine to me, but I keep pointing out to some of these people. Show me where it's been a success, and they can't. Yeah. And that's yeah, all I exactly. say. Then they scream at you and call your names. They're like, well, stop calling me. You're just proving my point. You can't engage me. So now take that common law to court and see how you get on. But um, do you know what you said there? You said something that's really important. If you want to take action, like if you want to withhold, say, let's say you want to withhold your council tax contribution until um, you get recompense from your council, until these ridiculous measures are, um, you know, cast aside until you get real bang for your buck say, from your local authority. If you want to withhold, rather than not pay, withhold. You hit the nail on the head, Shelley. You need numbers. So it would be best if it was an entire neighbourhood or at least a large swathe of a neighbourhood. That's where it might begin to work, I think
7: just don't think there'll ever be enough people there's just, just so many that are just so pleased oh I don't mind paying my council tax yeah. they empty my bins <laughs> yeah. yeah and they can't see that all these taxes are so wrong and unjust and you know why we're all struggling I mean ours is about 160 pound a month well I could do with that money <laughs>
0: it's mental <laughs> it's, it's about it's it's not as bad in the Northwest but it's 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 over 120 quid anyway I think and there's nothing There there, you, there is nothing in return for it Twice a month. In fact, no, once every three weeks, the unrecyclable stuff is taken. Once every three weeks. Some some of the streets around where we live are covered in litter. That's bad neighbours. That's scumbags who won't put their litter away. However, I've only seen a street sweeper, that machine. I've only seen one once in the last two or three months. There's nothing coming back for the hundreds of millions of pounds that Salford Council has given. Uh, people should withhold it demand representation, but 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 they don't get it. I think you're right. It's probably not going to be a successful route to go down. Hey, uh, just before we um run out of time, thanks a million for coming on, number one. Uh well done yesterday. Uh, absolutely no, well, 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 well done to bothy to you and to uh to Lance, and you know, Godspeed to you. Give a big plug to the uh Shelly Tasker show in uh in Cornwall on Facebook. There, give a give a plug. When when can people hear it, and where's the best place to find it? I've given I'm
7: that away. I'm a bit all over the place at the moment. The last couple of weeks, I've just started doing live interviews and then uploading it to a podcast. I was um. You know, I struggle once a week, Richie, and I used to get a lot of stress headaches before doing the radio, just excitement, worried. <laughs> so I just took all the stress out of it and I thought, let's make it fun because that's what it's about. So, you know, God knows how you do it, but you've been doing it for, well, a long time. Loads of practice, <laughs> you are yeah. a professional. Um, but no, I just like to have a weekly chat to somebody that's interesting and share it out there. It fulfills my needs to get a bit of information out there. And yeah, it's a nice thing to do.
0: Well, it's always it's always a good watch when you do it that way. When you do it in a way that 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 you find fun and you speak to somebody who's interested, who, who you are interested in, it's always interesting for the audience. Then, honest to God, yeah. you know yourself, it, I, I, being a student of radio and being a fan of radio for years and podcasts. If you get two people talking about tiddlywinks and if they love it and they're really into it, it can be compelling radio. Uh, you'll never play tiddlywinks in your life, but that's, that's what it's like. That's, radio is gripping. No, you're, you're doing really well there. I recommend people check it out if they haven't checked it out before. Listen, a couple of things. Uh, best to the old man, by the way. Give him a shout. And yeah. uh, and uh, just thanks for coming back and keep in touch and we'll, we'll do it again soon.
7: Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on,
0: Richie. My pleasure, Shelley. Thanks. That was uh, Shelley Tasker, my pal there in Camborne in Cornwall, lovely part of the world, uh, in court yesterday in the Exeter Combined Court, found not guilty of uh, breaching lockdown rules for holding a rally earlier this year in the centre of Truro, important stuff. And, and I want to give a big shout out as well. To uh, Alison Lee, it was um, really interesting and it was emotional listening to Alison earlier on talking about her son who's in residential care and the challenges for her and her ex-husband and her concerns about his well-being and of course whether or not he'll have a vaccine in the near future. Please God, uh, he won't because um, I don't think there's any evidence that anybody needs any of these jabs, but that's just me. Going to close out with the Cranberries today. As always, thanks for sharing some of your day with me. I uh, will be back again tomorrow, Wednesday, at five o'clock UK time, with uh, Wednesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. I will have guests, of course, and more chat and more interesting things, hopefully, for you to hear. Big shout out to Jackie D my pal Jackie in London. Thanks, Jackie. So you enjoy the rest of the day. It's glorious. Uh, spend a bit of time out and about, out in the fresh air. Maybe that won't do you any harm at all. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.